Leo, you ready? Ready. Hi, I'm Leo Finelli, and you're listening to Generation Change. This month, we've got Jasmine Lunia on the podcast. Jasmine is a writer from Dallas, Texas, who participates in many organizations for social change and justice. Jasmine is the student rights director at Meddling Kids Movement. She participates in her school's diversity and inclusion organization and works with a variety of other organizations that surround diversity and mental health. Jasmine is also a writer and uses her writing to bring awareness to social and mental health topics. She also writes poetry and other types of pieces which she posts on her blog and The Moon Speaks Again. Her writing has also been posted on sites such as iFeminist, The Lilac Blog, and Teen Inc. I hope you enjoy our conversation. Hi, how are you doing? I'm doing well, how are you? I'm just fine. Thank you so much for having me. You're so welcome. So, let's get down to the questions, shall we? Absolutely. So what was your first involvement in activism? Well, freshman year, I began getting involved. I got involved with Zero Hour. I was mostly involved in environmental stuff at the time um, because that was something that I was really passionate about. And I learned a lot about intersectionality from that um, and how the climate movement like intersected with racism and ableism and even misogyny. I started looking into those movements a bit more. And then I started attending a lot of climate strikes. You've also worked with Meddling Kids Movement. What is Meddling Kids Movement? Yeah, I have. So Meddling Kids Movement is an organization that focuses on activism and uplifting and amplifying youth activist voices. And we've also engaged in other campaigns, like just this past election, we made a video encouraging people to vote and talking about why voting is important. I'm passionate about so many issues. What other organizations have you worked with? I was the chapter leader for STEM Team Dallas, which is a science organization um, in Dallas, but we have chapters in a lot of different places. And But I tried to make it very heavily intersected with social justice. So I talked a lot about how race and gender affect participation in STEM careers, as well as the science behind things that do affect people, such as the climate crisis. You're also a writer. Yeah, so I love writing. I write a lot of poetry. Um, I found that poetry is kind of the way of expressing my feelings that were expressed for me. And a lot of the themes that I incorporate into my poetry revolve around oppression, my experience as an LGBTQ plus woman of color, and then also things that I've heard about in the world, injustices that just deeply upset me. In what ways do you feel that your writing can be a powerful and impactful form of activism? That's a really good question. Personally, I'm not someone who's super extroverted. I, I'm not great at like just speaking loudly. And so I think my writing gives me a voice and it, it really helps me to be able to coherently word what I'm trying to say. And, and so I think that like, for me, when I was younger, I saw myself in characters and books in a way that I never seen represented in my own life. And I think that writing in that way can be a powerful tool, tool of representation as well. 
I also think that having a small community of people reading your writing can be really powerful and emotionally vulnerable because it just sparks discussions and it creates a community to have conversations. How have your identities shaped and transformed your activism? So for me, that looks a lot like writing about how I'm South Asian. Um, My parents are from India, but I've never lived in India. So sometimes I feel very disconnected from my culture. And I feel like I'm not American enough to fit into American culture, but I'm not Indian enough to fit into Indian culture. And so I've written about that. Also being an LGBTQ plus person um, has definitely impacted a lot of activism that I do. I also try to be mindful of how other identities can intersect. For example, I'm privileged financially and I'm privileged in the sense that that I've never been discriminated against for my race Um, and I'm able-bodied. So I try to ensure that voices who aren't as privileged as I am get the same level of like uplifting. Exactly. In what ways do you feel that your activism has impacted your community? I think it's impacted my community. Well, my school, I do participate in the Student Diversity Leadership Council. It basically helps foster a more inclusive community for our school because it is predominantly white. And so just having that outlet and having people who are there to say, hey, we need to make sure our community is more inclusive and more, not just inclusive, but also accepting and uplifting of the voices of students who are minorities. Some of the organizations that I participate in have organized a lot of events, such as climate strikes and um, women's rights rallies. We've had a large community outreach and a lot of people attended. Seeing that was awesome to see how many people came out and rallied for a cause that they might not even be directly affected by themselves. Um, And then also, most recently, my writing, Um, even though it's not very, like, not very well known. Um, I do post it on social media and I think that has definitely garnered a small community and that's really nice because it's small enough to have discussions about things that are more vulnerable but large enough to the point where I feel like it is making an impact on even one person. How do you relate to others in the world who share your beliefs and those who may not. So I love listening to other people's perspectives and just hearing how they feel, why they feel that way. So for people who do share my experiences and who do share my opinions, I love talking about our shared experiences and just bonding over those and talking about how we can maybe use those experiences in order to create a community of people who feel the same way. And then when it comes to people who have differing opinions than mine, I really like just hearing their stories and listening. Um, And sometimes I'll change my opinions too. Like, I don't think that we're meant to stay the same forever. Um, If I'm given a piece of information that I previously didn't know from someone who's been affected by something, then I will reevaluate my own views on the issue, um, especially if it's something that I'm not affected by personally. Let's take a short break. What recharges you and inspires you to work for justice each day? 
first of all, just the obligation. I'm so privileged and I'm so grateful for that privilege. And I feel like there are so many things going on in the world that I think it's important, even if I'm not looking, reading the news all day, because you know what, that can be draining. I'm aware of the injustices going on in our world. And I think that it's really important to be mindful and that kind of motivates me. And then as for recharging, just personally for myself, I appreciate human connection deeply. And I feel like a lot of us have not been doing the best job of that. Um, really ever, but around the globe, like there's so much more potential to connect with other people. And I just want to make that happen. That resonates very deeply for me because I am on the autism spectrum. Could you share some of your mental health stories if you feel comfortable doing it? Yeah, I do. I've definitely dealt with a few mental health issues. Um, a lot of them revolve around anxiety, but those have definitely impacted my activism a lot. And I definitely, I want to get more into speaking about mental health because mental health is so influenced by our identities. It's it's influenced by my identity as um, a South Asian person. It's influenced by my identity as being LGBTQ. I'm sure yours is influenced by the ways that you identify as well. I'm learning a lot about the intersection between those. Again, I've used the, inter the word intersection like a lot, but that's because it's so important. So I write a lot about my mental health as well. I think that my struggles with mental health has made me a more empathetic person because I can relate to people who are going through the same thing. And I also am able to understand where people are coming from, even if they do things that other people consider out of the norm or weird. And I think that it gives me a greater potential for a connection. So common to struggle with mental health and I wish it wasn't so stigmatized and I wish that people could talk about it openly without being judged because I think it it's a huge piece to what I was talking about earlier, the lack of commitment human connection that we have. And I think it's something that really needs to be addressed. And what kind of things might we need to do to connect in better ways? I would say a lot of it comes down to listening, um, listening to people's stories, which is, I think, what this podcast is all about, which is absolutely amazing. I think that obviously, if you have a position on an issue, stay strong about it, be assertive but also just listening and understanding that we're meant to change and we're meant to be flexible. And um, that's something that I personally have had to get really comfortable with. Like I'm not someone who deals with change very well. Like, I'm the kind of person who will wear like the same three outfits, like eat the same thing for breakfast. And so I've kind of had to work a lot on being like, it's okay if my opinion changes. It's okay if my political identity is different than what it was a year ago, because just listening to other people's stories has changed my opinion on so many issues. And I think that also speaking from an eye perspective um, is a big one. Talking about how we feel versus trying to speak up over other groups and trying to be a savior for everyone. And also just uplifting the voices of other people. I think that those are all really important things that we can do to connect better. I relate to what you said about too much change being very hard for me. I don't eat too many types of foods. 
Yeah, I totally get that. Um, my family is constantly telling me to be more flexible. <laughs> Mine too. And how do we get people outside of our Gen Z community to act and do? I don't know exactly how, but I think we as a generation need to listen a lot, a lot more to the voices of older generations. While I do think that Gen Z is the future, we are the generation of change. There is a lot of wisdom that we can learn from older generations. I've met some really cool people who are part of gener Generation X and even millennials, but they get overshadowed by people that we claim are Karens or people who are very privileged. But the truth is when you listen to the voices of people who've been through so much oppression, who've been through so much and who are part of those generations, I think that they are making a huge change. And I think that they are, they are on our side, I guess. Um, but there, we don't, you don't hear a lot about that in the media because the media loves to spark conflict, I feel like. And so a lot of those stories get buried under the whole uh, Karen is calling the manager type of stories. We'll be right back. What are your plans for the near future? I plan on publishing a book of poetry. I really want to self-publish. It's been a goal of mine for a while now. Um, and so I have a book written, but I really want to format it. I also plan on getting more involved in my community um, and in activism with that, I really want to work on some mutual aid projects because I think that those are super important. Please send me some of your poems. I would love to read them. I would love to send them to you. Has it ever occurred to you that your desire to publish this book is less about showing the world and more about just showing yourself that you can, that you have this voice? Yeah, I have actually, I have thought about that, definitely. I, it, I, I've been considering just keeping my poetry to a very private community of people and not sharing it, but I also think that that would be doing a disservice to myself because I think that it has the potential to make a really good collection or book. How do you manage your school, your activism, and your personal life all together, not to mention your artistry? I want to say I don't. So I think I'll say that I compartmentalize a lot and I try really hard to focus on one thing because I'm the kind of person who, when I focus on one thing, I get really, really into it. But when I have a billion things to do, none of them get done. So lately I've been focusing a lot on my schoolwork and in previous months where I had more time, I focused a lot more on my activism and I got involved in a lot of community projects and I finished those. And then I started focusing on school. Writing is also an outlet for me. So I do it in pretty much any break that I get. It allows me to kind of recharge and process my feelings from the day. And as for my personal life, I definitely try to take a lot of time for self-care and to spend time with my family when I can. And if I can't, then I just, I let myself know that this is all temporary and I will have time in the future because we have a whole life and the whole illusion of, oh, there's no time for anything is just false. There is time. It, the time is just not right now. Do you ever like lose track of everything and just let yourself get tossed around by your circumstances? Yes. Um, I think that my life has 
sometimes a constant cycle of just mental breakdowns. Even though I'm super privileged and I love my life and I'm so grateful to have this life, I do feel ridiculously guilty all the time for not doing enough. And I do feel like my life is just very chaotic. I'm very privileged to be able to have this worldview, but I think I've had to remind myself this constantly lately. If I'm not enjoying my life, then there are always ways that I can make a change. It's better to have a less stressful life than it is to have no life. That's how I look at it. So if I need to pull back on something, if, if I need to miss a few homework assignments, miss a few days of school, if I need to drop out of an organization that I'm a part of, if I need to write less, then I'll do it. What are your plans for the immediate post-pandemic future? Um, honestly, probably to do the exact same thing that I have been doing. Um, I'm super introverted, so I don't think anything is really going to change. I think that there are a lot of things that have happened during this pandemic that we almost need to continue. We need to continue having options for people to work from home. We also need to learn about how this pandemic has shown us how sometimes the most vulnerable people are um, pushed aside. I don't want to speak too much on this because I haven't had these experiences myself, but um, the way that when like the pandemic started, everyone was changing to virtual learning. I mean, what happens to kids who don't have access to computers, who don't have access to Wi-Fi? I don't really believe in fate and I don't really believe that the universe brought this pandemic but I do think that we can learn stuff from this pandemic and I think that it has taught us so many lessons about how we need to come together as a community and help each other because a lot of people struggled during this time and allowing allowing this to teach ourselves how to be better people is really important. What do you think is the most important thing you've learned or taken away from being an activist? I don't think that an activist is something that you can really label yourself. I think the work never stops. There's always going to be something that anyone can do to help others. And I think that just consistently doing that makes you an activist. Just consistently doing the thing, making the choice to help up uplift other people. And not even just other people, but to be kind, not only to others, but to yourself. Consistently amplifying the voices of people who have been oppressed by society. And then, so I, I'd say that my most important takeaway from being an activist is the fact that the label of activist is just that, a label. And it's only earned if someone consistently amplifies the voices of people who are less privileged than them or who just have different experiences than them. Well, Jasmine, I very much enjoyed our talk. I enjoyed it as well. Thank you so much for having me. This was amazing. Nice talking to you. You too. Bye. Bye. I love how honest Jasmine is. She's very conscious of how her identities and mental health struggles affect her experience. I especially liked what she said about learning from the experience of the COVID-19 pandemic. This was something I had already been thinking about. When I got my vaccine, and you should too if you haven't already, I was also anxious about whether we would carry on the communal empathy that so many of us discover during this difficult time. I also think she's very right about how being an activist isn't a label. It's not something you are, it's something you do. 
I really relate to Jasmine because we're both creative people who want to make a positive impact in our society, but we shouldn't forget to listen. You can follow Jasmine at Cosmic underscore Athena and at Jasmine L. Writing on Instagram. If you'd like to recommend someone you know who is trying to make a difference to be on the show, or if you are someone trying to make a difference and you would like to be on the show, email us at generationchange at leofinelli.com. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram at genchange with LF. That's at genchange with LF. Subscribe and review wherever you get your podcasts and just share this with your friends and others. Generation Change with Leo Finelli is hosted by Leo Finelli, executive produced by Julie Finelli, and edited by Nick and Leo Finelli. Our original music was composed and performed by Leo Finelli. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you.